This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Weekends with Walshy starts now. Hi there, welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition or Weekends with Walshy. I am Peter Gowers, but I'm sure you know that 450 plus episodes into this big bad thing we call the Territory Story Podcast. I'm going to get the editor now from the NT Independent on to speak to us and tell us all that's been making news this week in the Territory. Chris Walsh, Walshy, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm good, Pete. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, my friend. Uh, interesting week this week. Obviously, we're going to talk about all that's been happening in your world, but um, I just yeah. thought we should start by just acknowledging the fact that the uh, federal government has just decided, you know, in their wisdom, because inflation's running out of control, and uh, never mind the massive profits that are made by big business at the big end of town, they've just decided to cut infrastructure spending around the country. So any yeah. roads or you know improvements you're hoping for, you can forget about that in this term. Well, and you know that in the Northern Territory in particular, that's going to be an issue here. It's because, going to be a huge issue. Yeah, and I, and I saw just quickly off the top, I think it was uh, reselling the Tanami, Tanami, yeah, Tanami Highway, yeah. 200 million, 200 million yeah. bucks. Um, and look, but this is like something the NT government cries about all the time. It was crying poor to Canberra. We need yep. this. We need, and, and look, in some instances, that's fair. We were left with a huge infrastructure deficit to begin with. We started mm-hmm. with a huge infrastructure deficit when we became territory and self-government. But um, yeah, but that is definitely going to hurt the NT for sure. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it, it'll affect all of Australia, but... You know, they're saying they're doing this in order to um, to curb spending and to reduce yeah. inflation, but I think the horse may have already bolted. I just thought it was really interesting timing mm-hmm. with everything that's going on that they just suddenly, oh, yeah, you know what? No, we're not going to do that anymore. So, of course, basically all these projects that have been planned around Australia and particularly in the NT are now got zero funding because local yeah. government or, you know, NT governments not putting up anything themselves. So. Well, um, and yeah, I mean, look, they don't have it, I guess, to put up. <laughs> right. I mean, are we nine billion in debt? They could ask she for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Elbow's over there doing, isn't he? <laughs> I think so. Oh, yeah. He's making yeah. making nice after yeah. uh, the other government abandoned all communication whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring it up. Chris, um, we need to get into the main bulk of things because, uh, mate, what an unbelievable week you've had. Uh, yeah. Uh, I told you last week. I promised you. <laughs> I, I challenged did. you. Yeah, and I, and I delivered, man. And I, um, you know, and it was, yeah, I knew it was going to be big. All right. I, it's hard to gauge these things, but I knew this was this was simple. People would get this. And mm. um yeah, and then next thing you know, it's all anyone's talking about in Parliament House in Canberra on Monday yeah, morning. Yeah. I was expecting NT more, but uh, yeah, this thing kind of just went off. Yeah. And Chris, um, I, I hope this doesn't spoil some of the things that we're going to talk about. I'm sure it won't. But are you uh, taking responsibility or are you taking ownership for those that want to bring the territory down? Is that you? Personally? Yeah, you know, that was interesting that she went there, right? So she she attacked, Files, of course, attacked David Pocock, the independent senator yeah. for the NPT, and 
But before, but she didn't just go after him. Yeah, in her statement or whatever, she said those who wish to bring the territory down. <laughs> and I and I couldn't help but think that she was acknowledging us finally. I thought the same in, actually. in some way. Yeah, and uh, but but how selfish and arrogant, right? Because yeah. this has nothing to do with the territory. This has to do with you being selfish, arrogant, greedy, and stupid. Yeah, I thought I thought there was a real element of I'm cornered. You know, that classic, yeah. I'm in a corner, I'm going to lash out. Yeah. And, I mean, acknowledge the NT independent, don't acknowledge them, pretend <laughs> they don't exist, whatever you want. But, and, and, you know, people are well welcome to say that I'm biased if you want, but I'm not because I, I'm, you know, I'm happy to question everybody in anything. But I've never felt anything that the NT independent has seek to do, sought to do, whatever it is. <laughs> I've never felt there's ever been a time when the territory's best interest isn't at heart. Yeah, absolutely, Pete. Absolutely. That, that's why, yeah, that's why we exist. We exist. Like, look, yeah. you know, we've talked about our mandate to hold those in power to account and, um, and, and force them to do what's right for territorians and not themselves. And, it just so happens that during this the whole period of the anti-independence existence, which is now going on what, more than three and a half years, uh, it just kind of aligned with this very selfish and arrogant government that, um, you know, and I and I covered the previous CLP government, how bad that was, Giles CLP, thing for, <laughs> for years at the NT News, and we thought we would get something better, and now here we are. But, yeah, the, the, that's the whole thing. Like, she's not, Natasha Files is not, represent the northern territory she is not the northern territory she is no. natasha fuzz but she's kind of made that clear until you know it comes to and so you know she was like you say pushed into a corner and so she lashed out at those who want to bring the territory down which is stupid but then she also started hitting that pocock and saying like she's trying to use the old canberra you know yes, us against yes. canberra thing but it really didn't it really fell flat because pocock is a well-respected federal politician who, who has yeah who has more integrity than she could ever dream of and he's saying and he's not coming and she said that and he's just trying to get votes for his territory by attacking ours how is that helping him in the yeah. ACP he just did it because I went to him after we broke the story and I said look so we need somebody from outside the northern territory to comment on this yeah um you know, would would David send us some lines? And he was kind enough to do so. And then we did the story. And then uh, and then ABC interviewed him after that. And it's just been, but it's just that. I mean, I was like on whatever. I'm losing track of the days. I think that was Tuesday. Yeah, the whole week's just been a roller coaster. And um, mm. my God, here we are on Thursday night, and it looks like files. You know, may not survive this thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many elements to it, and. Uh, there, there's there's many ways that you can uh, deal with these types of things. You and I have talked about this many times. Um, sometimes it's just putting your hand up and saying, listen, I've done the wrong thing. People 99.9% .9 of the time will say, yeah, fair call. We've all done the wrong thing before. You know, fix that problem and let's move on. But doubling down, tripling down, lashing out at the wrong people and organizations Mm -hmm. It's just not the way to handle this. But it is the territory labor way, as we've come to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, look, there's lots to talk about and dissect. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it in a chronological order, but mm -hmm. I think 
you know, as of today, uh, being Thursday, um, you know, the the latest part of this is that uh, it appears the Chief Minister's breached the MT Ministerial Code of Conduct by not divesting her gas shares and, of course, now uh, calls for her resignation and mounting, Chris. Yeah, Pete, uh, this is... Um this is where we're at as of right now on Thursday evening. Now, by the time this airs on Saturday, I'm not so sure that we don't have a new chief minister. I, look, and I guess we'll, we'll have to get back to the beginning and what happened on Monday. But uh, yeah, the, look, this um, there is there is in fact an anti ministerial code of conduct. Although, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what? There was a, a little joker by the name of Michael Gunner who actually lived up to it in the end. I think he breached it on other grounds. But remember when he left office, according to the Ministerial Code of Conduct, he had to wait six months before taking a job with uh, Fortescue because of his portfolios and him being the chief minister, ultimate portfolio uh, would, would conflict there. So they needed six months going off. And remember, he said that, well, I'm going to wait the six months. Have to. Yep. So yeah. he, he's shown that you do actually have to follow the ministerial code of conduct, really, of all people, him. But uh, he did it. Um, Files it has breached this. And um, it's triggered calls for her resignation and an emergency cabinet meeting to discuss her future as leader. Now, this is in the code of conduct that um, when the chief minister and the, whoever is in that position fails to live up to that, the cabinet has to. Now, most of it, the chief minister has extraordinary powers in cabinet, uh, but it says something like first amongst equals, but it's really, yeah, the Lord over everyone. And uh, uh, when, and, 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 you know, in some cases on in cabinet, in many cases, the chief minister is the one who makes the calls on whether somebody has a conflict of interest and whether or not they can continue in the role and whether they should be engaging in discussion about a particular issue. So when that role becomes compromised or seemingly compromised, then it's all of cabinet. It has to get together when the chief minister becomes the subject of a breach of uh, code of conduct. Yeah, uh, right. So they then have to have a meeting and they have to discuss discuss these things. So right now it's Thursday night. We don't know when a cabinet meeting is going to happen, but of course they've been informed um, that uh, that they need to do this, and they do. And it is in the code of conduct. They do have to meet to discuss what files has done. Hmm. Can we speculate as to who would be her replacement? <laughs> well, we'll get to that, Pete, but uh, I don't think anyone's putting up their hands too fast. <laughs> not with this train wreck. Not, ten, not nine months out from an election. Jesus, we were just saying 10 months. It's now nine months out from an election. Yeah, and there's a few characters that could be involved, some who would probably put their hands up um, unwittingly, others who would be running very far in the other direction. Again, not for not because it's in the best interest of territorians, but we'll, we'll we'll come back to that. It's for their own political self-interest again, which incidentally has gotten them into this mess. But they'll continue that way. But yeah, we'll get to that. We'll just explain what happened. I think. So let's do it. So take us back to Monday and 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 tell us uh, how it all sort of what what came to light that that made you feel like there was something here to look at, Chris. Yeah, well, P. Yeah, like, look, last week when we talked, I said that I'd been working on something, and I'd I'd gone down to Parliament House and I checked out a few. Uh, uh, they're called it's called the Register of Members' Interests, and it has you know all of their pecuniary interests uh, that they within 28 days of being elected, every MLA needs to disclose. And this, you know, and it has stuff like your mortgages, car loans, all this stuff. 
And so, um, uh, bank loans, yeah, who you're dealing with, and then shares. And so a lot of them don't have shares, or at least shares that are listed. But uh, I did notice on Natasha files is when I flipped over that, and I let out probably an expletive there in the office. Because, you know, when you go down and look at hard copies, you can't. There's no digitization. There is later. But when you go and look at the hard copies, you have to, you, you can't use your phone. Your phone has to stay outside of the room and you have pen and paper and you just write it all down, which is whatever. Um, but yeah, when I, when I opened that up, I thought, Oh God, I've, I've not seen this before. Now it was released, but what it showed was that she had an undisclosed number of shares in oil and gas giant Woodside. And this was an addendum to the register of members interest that was filed on July 7, 2022. And so I thought, ooh, okay, this is, um, I mean, my gut files has shares in, a, in the largest oil and gas company in the country. And this is, here she is flying around, you know, at taxpayer expense around the country, spruiking this middle arm development, which is all about natural gas and all about, well, all kinds of things, petrochemicals, whatever, yeah. blue hydrogen, whatever they're selling, it's, it's a one-stop shop for everything, right? So... But I'm thinking, like, oh, like, well, but we did not know that she had shared. She has a private interest in Woodside, and she here she is. This is the focus of her leadership. It has been. It's this middle arm project, right? She's the one who went scrubbing the word petrochemicals, forcing her employees to go and do that because that was revealed, and she didn't want it to be called a petrochemical hub. So they went and deleted stuff from the internet that's of petrochemicals. Mm. And I'm thinking of her going at taxpayer expense to Canberra to, to spruik middle arm and to dump on the teals and trolls, as she called them, who were talking down the territory. Again, you know, this uh, nationalism kind of stuff that she's throwing in here. Um, mm. Rhetoric. Uh, so I'm like, wow, but she's never made this public. I mean, here it is on a form, but this has never been really disclosed. It's not been reported on. Uh, what the hell is going on here? And then I found out that it was online. So in March, she had uh, it had come out, but it was buried on page 366 of a 400 and something page document. And now, Pete, this is really weird, right? Because then I thought, well, we, I should have found that in March. But then I was thinking there's a lot of stuff going on in March. And I guess I didn't devote the time to that. I'm not sure it even came to Parliament. You just have to go to a separate site. But uh, they're normally, they're, every year, they're alphabetical. And this past March, they weren't for some reason. And that's why Files, yeah, right. Files ends up on page 366. When she's F, it should have been up higher. Yeah. Um, so that's unusual. But uh, anyway, look, but I found it and I checked it out. And that was the thing is that we knew that she hadn't changed anything since July 7th, 2022. Now, this is seven weeks after she becomes chief minister. She then all of a sudden announced that she had shares in Woodside. And we're trying to piece that together. Well, why then? Why? Why then? And then it, it, it dawns on us that she had also listed that she had shares in BHP. <laughs> um, right. And then we realized, but it didn't first connect those two, but then we realized, well, wait, yeah, uh, the petroleum arm of BHP merged with Woodside in June 2022. Mm. Right. So that is yeah, where yeah, we saw that they had shares. So then BHP shareholders were given, for every five shares of BHP, they were given one Woodside share. 
Okay. And so here she is just announcing, but she doesn't tell us how many shares it is. It just says, and that's and that's really nonsense with this, and and they've got to fix this because the the, the whole intent of this is that we as the public know where our politicians' vested interests are, and it's all good to say, you know. Um, we're going to do this through a registry and they have to disclose it, but they don't disclose the value of anything, right? Yeah, right. They don't have to say how many shares and they don't have to say, you know, it, it's just, there needs to be more detail in that. Well, so that's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, it just goes against, I think, the spirit of the legislation, which is supposed to be about transparency and accountability. And if you're not disclosing how deep you are in all of this, but look, at the end of the day, I realize, too, it doesn't really matter. There's two kinds of stupid at play here, right? <laughs> there's there's one that if this, if, if Files only had a few shares and she didn't just divest from them as soon as she got them in that merger, like, what the hell? Like, why would she subject herself to being the subject of uh, a perceived conflict of interest. She's the chief minister. She just says, look, if it's only a few shares, get rid of it. But then secondly, it's like if she's got a lot of shares, I mean, this is a whole other level of stupid that she's actively, you know, what, trying to get rich off. But I don't know. I didn't know. And and so we sent questions and we, we asked. And of course, they don't respond. Um, but very much, this whole thing just, it, this is not even a perceived conflict of interest. This is a very real conflict of interest. Yeah. Being a shareholder in a giant oil and gas company that, in fact, Pete, has this interest in uh, the carbon capture and sequestration uh, facility at Middle Arm. Now, now, so they've been involved, and I went and I found, you know, press releases the government put out where the VP for Woodside was saying, uh, yeah, we partnered with CSIRO and Santos and Origin and some others, and we're the best place to uh, invest in this and build this carbon capture thing. But we'll do the study, the feasibility study, and see what it's like. Mm. And it's like, well, wow, because the, the carbon capture facility at Middle Arm is the linchpin yep. of the whole project. They need that. Now, there's some other stuff going on, and there's going to be more coming out about that. So I'll just leave that for now there but just understand that that this whole thing really doesn't go ahead unless they get this carbon capture thing and here is a company that's interested in in operating that investing in that doing things in that and we have the chief minister who has shares in that company and she's through yeah. middle arm all over the country and making decisions about the gas industry and middle arm every day so look the conflict is clear yeah so yeah. so we run the story and um Look, you know, it went off. I mean, it, it just, and I and I thought that it would. I mean, this is very simple, but this goes to integrity in government. But the, also, we know that the middle arm project, you know, being the subject of that Senate inquiry um, uh, nationally, uh, people are very much interested in this, not just territorians, not just people living in Palmerston, Darwin, Palmerston, especially where it's going to be in their backyard. But everybody, I, I mean, it's such a hot button issue. And then here's this story revealing, like, look, I've talked to people in industry. I've talked to people in parliament. Um, everybody was blown away by that and saying, oh, my God, Files has shares in an oil and gas company. Which is it? Which is it? Get a subscription. Find out. Send me photos. Like, you know, everybody wanted to know what was going on here. So. Yeah, so that story just goes wild. It goes wild. And um, I'm calling down to to Canberra to get some people to talk about it. I figured the Teals there might want to say something considering Files was attacking them um, uh, and not telling anyone that she's had shares in their 
gas company. Anyway, and um, yeah, Pocock, of course, who we spoke to, and the Greens, too, Sarah Hansen Young, who, of course, uh, was successful in getting that. Uh, She's outraged out. about everything, so she would love to chat. Yeah, to well, look, we've, we've tried and we didn't get to talk to her, but we did talk to David Pocock. But look, their media people were saying, I think by the third call was, yeah, and I'm introducing myself, and they said, yeah, you're the guy who broke the story. Yeah, for the third time about Foss, and, and the guy says, look, that's all anyone's talking about in Parliament here today. <laughs> really? Yeah, and I was like, wow, okay, yeah. this has gone big. And so... Um, so yeah, so we 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 just think okay, well let's see how this kind of falls out here, and and so uh, Pocock got back to us. But meanwhile, back to that first story when we run that that one on Monday that everybody wants to see, and look, other people in the industry were telling me they were they're like, oh my god, she yeah, she's got shares. But anyway, yeah. everybody wants to know now. I think one of the main uh, parts of this, of course, is that when you have this conflict of interest. That uh, the concern here is that, you know, of course, and, and this is essentially the definition of it, is that uh, there were concerns raised that, that uh, Files's private business interests could affect her government's policy decisions around gas development. And it was Kirsty Howie. So she's the executive director of the Environment Center NT. I think anyone who's seen uh, Kirsty in interviews or read anything that she said knows um, uh, how much integrity this woman has uh, as yep. a, a local person here and the leader of this Environment Center in a very crucial role she plays and with her legal background and everything else. I think we got into that when we were talking about metal arm is who are we going to believe files that Kirsty Howie and files has a track record of lying to us and Kirsty Howie yep. track record of, of telling the truth and, and, and um, sticking up to the government and protecting the environment. So and a, and a vested interest in telling the truth as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, so we went to Kirsty and we, we spoke with her about this and we showed her the documents and she said, wow, she said, um, look, this, this revelation should raise serious alarm bells for anyone worried about the influence of the fossil fuel industry on governments in Australia. She said, any suggestion the chief minister could have a personal interest in a company associated with the scandal-plagued middle-arm gas and petrochemical hub requires the highest level of scrutiny. She called on files to do this, to, to immediately disclose how many shares she holds on Woodside, as well as disclosing her involvement in any decisions that involve Woodside, including relating to the carbon capture and storage facility in Middle Arm. We're still waiting for that part, <laughs> but we still haven't heard. Um, she said, and, and look, I think it comes down to this line, uh, Kirsty Howie says, for years, it's been hard to tell where the gas industry ends and the Northern Territory government begins. Mm. And it says capture stuff. And she says, so she says, middle arm is already the poster child for state capture by the fossil fuel industry in Australia. And I had asked her in the conversation, you know, um, what do you make of this? Because to me, look, when I saw that merger sheets that went out, the information sheets, they were talking about you know that that bringing BHP uh, petroleum arm in with uh, with Woodside would create this uh, well synergies. Of course, I'm sure they use somewhere in there, but also about the uh, that it would produce a high margin oil portfolio, long life LNG assets, and the financial resilience to help supply the energy needed for global growth and development over the energy transition. Um, mm. Also, the operating cash flows to fund shareholder returns would be ample. 
um, and again, support the energy transition. Now, this is what Files has gone around telling everybody. Th- these are her talking points, or at least yeah. the, the talking points she's using. And we know now that these are industry talking points, right? She, how many times has she said that? Like, we, we need this middle arm project. It's not just going to be gas, but we need it there. We need the carbon capture because... Uh, of the energy transition. We need it in place until the energy transition happens, which yeah. they're doing very poorly on, by the way, <laughs> energy transition. Um, She's not transitioning well. No. So, um, you know, here we are. So uh, so this comes out. Now, one of the other things that we talked about, and we got to be honest here, I, I, well, we didn't see this document, that you're talking about earlier now when she breached the anti-ministerial code of conduct, which we know now today. Now, on Sunday night when I'm writing this story, um, what we found was that uh, Albanese, the prime minister, had actually uh, brought in a new code of conduct, ministerial code of conduct federally uh, in July 2022 in the days leading up to Files' disclosure. Right now, she's not bound by this uh, federal uh, ministerial code of conduct. Although I guess I think there's an argument that she sits on that national cabinet, but, uh, but she's not bound in the MT by this, but it was so curious that it came in like the day after she disclosed her shares. Yeah. <laughs> she would have known that the prime minister was talking about this. And so she sneaks out and, and, and does that and discloses it just before. But I, I think it was really instructional to to hear what how why albanese did this and he said ministers hold high public office and are entrusted with considerable privilege and power uh the people of australia are entitled to expect that in the discharge of our duties we will act in a manner that is consistent with the highest ethical standards yeah. and that's not something we're used to here no yeah. and it makes total sense Absolutely. um yeah. you know that'd be the bare minimum that we'd expect really yeah, um, but you know, and, and but now we know that she knew that what she was doing was wrong. She knew that there's the ministerial code of conduct to divest shares in anything that affects your portfolio. Now, she doesn't have an energy portfolio, but she is the chief minister. She has the ultimate portfolio, and when she's yeah. leading cabinet discussions about this, this is crazy to me. This woman was what leader of government business for four years. She was opposition whip. You know, this is crazy. So she was on radio, like during the follow to this, she was on with Joe Laverty and, and she actually snaps at Joe Laverty, right? Because <laughs> Joe called it, well, did you file it? And you filed it on your conflict of interest form and files lost it over. It's not called that. It's not called that. And, and I suggest you go away and educate yourself about parliamentary processes. That's uh, what she yells at Joe Laverty. I don't know Joe Laverty from a bar of soap, but I'll guarantee you she's more qualified in life than uh, <laughs> the swimming teacher. But here's the beauty of this, Pete, is that, you know, files will fall, I think, the way this is going. I mean, she's breached the ministerial code of conduct because mm. she herself didn't go away and get educated on the <laughs> parliamentary processes. Yeah. Like, this is so, it's so stupid. It is so stupid and self-inflicted, right? So the next day, so, you know, Pocock comes out. And I'll tell you this, because this, uh, so this is Tuesday. Pocock comes out. He says, look, this is not 
this is she's contributing to why people do not trust politicians anymore. <laughs> I mean, like this guy's got a good angle on this, a fresh look on it. And he's saying, like, this is just, yeah, people don't like politicians because of what she's doing. And he said, look, with this federal Senate inquiry that we're doing, uh, I think we should be looking at the shares, any any type of personal interest that a decision maker has. Now, remember where Pocock's coming from. Remember this middle arm thing, $1.5 billion in federal funding for this, federal taxpayer mm. money going to this. Is this the best thing? Is this the best use of that money? You know, yeah. And so I think he's, he's well within his rights as a federal senator to be saying, to be questioning then somebody who's going to be managing that money as well and where their interests are and, are, you know, where that's going to go. So, um, so Pocock says that, and, and this clearly has upset files. But, and so then he goes on ABC later, and we run that story, Pocock saying that, about how she's going to be scrutinized at the Senate inquiry. And he can just do that. Like, it's in their terms of reference, really, just about anything. But he can just show up and say, all right, you know, we've got to look at this and in public hearings, whatever they're going to do. Uh, but there's no date on that, too. I did check, Pete. We don't know when that's going to happen, but we will let everyone know as soon as we know, as soon as it starts to happen. Um, so that's that. And then on uh, on that Tuesday, the integrity, uh, <laughs> a leading integrity um, uh, expert comes out nationally and, and, and says what files is done here is not right. That... Yeah. <laughs> you know, to put it simple, it's not right. Um, and she didn't go and attack him. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this guy's saying the truth here, that, um, that what she's done with these. Now, she had been on radio that morning with Joe Laverty, as I said. And then when, when it got heated was uh, about how she manages the conflict of interest, right? And Joe said, just... Tell us how you manage this. And then you, you say it's not an issue. There are ways to manage it. Give us one way. And Foss got really annoyed. It was some of the best radio I think ABC's done in a long time. As Files was really annoyed. And Joe Laverty did an excellent job holding her to account and not letting her go and waffle on, right? She stopped her and she said, well, you're just... And then and Foss says, well, let me finish. And she goes, well, no, because you're just, you know, rambling on here. Just tell me one way. One way that you're managing this conflict of interest, Files could not do it. She just kept yeah. going talking points and, and and just could not explain that. So this gets back into that violation of the ministerial code of conduct, right? There's a whole other part on that. So one, it's uh, it's that she should have divested those shares. But two now, uh, did she tell Cabinet at any time that she had these shares? Joe asked her that point blank. She did not respond she went into talking points she may have violated that as well she's in big trouble here as of thursday night um so but so then you know and then liz trubaskis did a good job she had a jeffrey watson now he's a former counsel assisting the new south wales icac current director of the center for public integrity so he listens to uh files on the morning show and by the on the drive show he's saying uh, that public explanation was, uh, as he put it, quite unsatisfactory. <laughs> yes, so, it was. It very much was. So he said, uh, look, there is there is an identified conflict, and it was the case that the chief minister knew that she had to manage it, but she never explained what she did to manage it. 
It's not enough to merely say, oh, I identify a conflict, therefore it's managed. No, you need to do more, he said. Watson said, Files handled the controversy poorly, suggesting she could have divested the shares earlier. Well, not anyone. But instead, he said, as I understand it, the chief minister has been a, a thoroughgoing advocate in favor of the project. It's just not right. He said, and then he got to this, he's almost laughing at the stupidity later, Pete, right? Yeah, yeah. This one where he has to stifle the laugh because he, he can't even fathom how damn stupid this is. Well, it sounds exactly like Trump when Trump said declassified the papers just by, <laughs> just by thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's such a... Anyway, so this is what he says. So Watson, he says that he was surprised the files continues to retain and defend the shares rather than divesting them to avoid the conflict of interest. We are back in those two levels of stupidity there. So um, he says this was an avoidable conflict. The chief minister should have divested herself from assets which could come within either her management or portfolio. It's just silly. That's the sort of thing you should do. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the man speaks sense, and there's, there's no one that's going to disagree with that other than she has thought about it, therefore it's managed. Well, this is it, right? So she had said something like that. Uh, you're going to love this. So when she's on with, with Joe Laverty and asked, uh, she asked uh, if she would divest the shares. Um, no, she rejected any assertion she should divest them um, and refused to explain how she manages the conflict, this is this is one of her responses, but you're not going to believe this one. She says, so what I have is integrity. And when I come across a conflict, I manage it appropriately for that situation. Mm, it sounds like she's used a word she doesn't actually understand. That is your whole punchline to everything on this is her. And then and then and then file says, so I have what is called integrity. <laughs> No, you don't. You've just proven that. That's, yeah, I mean, that is such a naive statement. There was a statement in amongst that, which was the great head shaker for me for the week. And it might have been in amongst those statements. And I'm paraphrasing. So if I don't get it exactly right, forgive me. But it was something along the lines of it was sort of like she was having this moment of great amazement. And she said, sometimes, you think you've got a conflict of interest and you take it to someone and then you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but again, she didn't say, well, that's great in these broad things too, but <laughs> what have you done with this one? Yeah, yeah. One to anyone? Has anyone told you you don't have a conflict and, here? And who's the person you took it to? It could be the guy that reinterpreted the fuel card usage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, look, this is just, and, and what Watson says, it's just self-inflicted and for no good reason. Like, the, you just do the right thing. Like, it's just, that's why I think he was so frustrated was it's just, this is simple. You know that this creates a conflict when you have gas shares. You just get rid of them. So, okay, so we're building up to this, right? So Files finally comes up. She sends this bizarre statement to to Katie Wolf over at Mex at 1130 or something on the Wednesday. And then this is kind of the next story. And this is one of my favorite headlines, I think, of the week, which was um, nothing will stop me. Files lies about Woodside shares disclosures, claims grandma bought them 
as records show otherwise. This was so bizarre on it Wednesday morning. It sounds like um, a line out of Batman. It sounds like what the Joker would say. Yeah, because yeah, you got to do the maniacal laugh after nothing will stop me. <laughs> and I just thought, like, what the hell is this? Oh, I guess nothing will stop you except for the ministerial code of conduct and the Disclosures Act. And integrity, remember that? <laughs> She's always been running against integrity. <laughs> Look, yeah, man. I the, and then to bring the grandmother into it, right? Like that was bizarre. It was just absolutely bizarre. I thought she lost her mind. Now I get that this is some political attack, right? So what she claimed was that her, her grandmother, when she was seven years, when young Natasha Files was seven years old. Um, <laughs> She got up one Christmas morning waiting for the new Northern Territory Barbie doll that she'd been praying for. Uh, she gets up Christmas morning to go open that box, and instead she opens up and there's little slips of paper, shares in an oil and gas company. <laughs> Every seven-year-old's favorite gift. <laughs> yeah. From grandma. So, you know, it, it's it's odd. So that's what she says. So she comes out, and I guess she's pulling on heartstrings, or she thinks she is. Um, saying, well, Granny gave me these back in 1985 when I was seven years old, and um, I declared them every year that I've been elected on the Register of Members' Interest. That's untrue. Every year except for the eight years between here and there. Yeah, well, yeah. And look, her people, I guess, are claiming to some journalists, although they've been yet to report on that or produce anything, that um, that she did declare it in 2012 when she was first elected. These are BHP shares. Um, I haven't seen that. What I'm able to see was what I saw in the hard copy, which showed me that she declared them in 2020 after she was elected. But what we see online between 2016 and 2020, they clearly were not declared, right? And the thing is, the rule about this is that you need to declare so I think they had said something to somebody that, um, well, you don't really have to change anything after you declared it unless there's a change to, you know, the financial situation or something. Uh, not true. You don't, you don't do it in 2012 and then it just carries through your whole time there. You need to update and you have to update when things change. Uh, but you also have to do that after every election. So when there's a new assembly that comes in, right? So, in 2016, when they were elected, she became a minister. For some reason, I've seen these, that she declared uh, bank loans, mortgage, uh, what cars, you know, club membership and everything. And it's all dated like early 2017. But that's essentially the 2016 return. Uh, under shares, blank. It's just not. Yeah, it's not disclosed. It's not disclosed. She's violated the what's called the Legislative Assembly Disclosures Act, which requires that they do divulge that and produce that register within 28 days of being sworn in. She just hasn't done that. It was not there. And and this is more troubling when she's a minister, yeah. too, right, that she's not disclosed that. And did she not disclose it because she knew about the ministerial code of conduct? And then maybe later on she thought, oh, I better, just in case something happens in 2020. Or did she just acquire them, right? We don't know because online they only have from 2016, essentially, which I think they say 2017, but it's essentially mm -hmm. 2016 uh, onwards. So we don't know between 2012 and 2016. And I can tell you that I, I don't think I can even go and look at those. Like if I went to the clerk for the hard copy, I can only get this legislative assembly. 
In fact, I'm not even sure that those ones exist, and I'm going to look into that. I think that they would destroy those after a thing, but yeah, man. Uh, not sure exactly, but we'll find out because it doesn't really back up her story that Grand gave her the, the <laughs> thing and she disclosed them, right? And now that that's become a center of derision a bit too, right? It's because uh, a lot of people are like, who the hell's grandmother's giving out oil and gas shares like to children? Um, I think like we have people on our Facebook page that, <laughs> Saying, you know, uh, my grandmother gave me five bucks in a birthday card once, you know, and somebody else said, you know, my grandmother sent me a T-shirt one time or something. But I, I got to say, I think the winner of the week for best Facebook comment on that particular story was, in fact, our old friend, Amy Moon, Darwin counselor, Amy Moon. Oh, yep. Uh, what is it? Amy's line was something along the lines of this. She wrote in there in the comments when everyone's talking about their grandmothers and what they've given them. Amy says, yeah, well, something like this along these lines. Yeah, well, my grandmother taught me not to lie. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, like I heard her laugh and I was yeah. like, my God, she nailed that. That's what you want. You yeah, want yeah. integrity being passed down, not oil and gas shares. This she, is, this she may is well it. be responsible for the two greatest lines in politics this year. <laughs> My grandma taught me not to lie, and you ain't my boss. <laughs> <laughs> that is the kind of wisdom that we need in politics. Seriously, Absolutely. that's down to earth stuff. That's all the earth stuff. That's like, yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want from your grandmothers. Yeah, to learn these life lessons, not be handed oil and gas shares. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's kind of you know she she does this. She puts up this statement claiming that, and she's trying to play on heartstrings that, uh, oh, look, you know, it's family. She then shows up at a press conference and she says, um, and we refuted, I mean, we go through that and I just kind of explained to you about how this wasn't true. It's not backed up anyway by any parliamentary record, what she's claiming, which is, I, I find that so troubling in any way that she would even make these claims. Um, yeah, so she then... Uh, and remember, there's still confusion around the shares provided by files, right? So she, she said that her grandmother bought her 125 BHP shares, but then she claimed that she currently has 169 Woodside shares. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think I told you that, that when, when, when that BHP petroleum arm merged in with Woodside, uh, the BHP shareholders, yeah, for every five, the BHP, every five shares of BHP you had, you got one Woodside. This yeah. doesn't make any sense. The math this doesn't work out on it. It actually does explain a lot, though, Chris, because now we know how the budgets have been. Have been <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what they've been for the last six years. <laughs> fair point, Pete. Fair, fair point. Um, but here's where it gets weirder, right? So she then says that she that she's going to hold on to these shares. So she comes out and thinks that she's explained that to the media. Puts it ever, then is at a press conference and is asked, and she goes into this whole thing. Um, she said she was holding on to them so that they might grow for the kids. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that that that's a conflict of interest. So here's what she yeah. says. So she says, I'm gonna hold on to them so they might grow for the kids. And then she says, But from my perspective, she's talking super fast at this time in this thing, audio I got of the press conference, and she's talking super the robots on overdrive. And she says, so they might grow for the kids. But from my perspective, I've done everything wrong. Uh, and we, and I, I heard that right away when I was listening and recording. And I was like, she just said wrong. That's like, 
the most truthful thing. Like, yeah. I, I think that she needed, subconsciously, I'd say, that she needed that release. And she didn't even realize that the brain didn't realize what the soul was saying. Was yeah, that yeah. I've done it's, everything wrong. She knew that she did wrong things. It's the equivalent of a market meltdown, right? Like, when the stock market gets too overheated, it just melts down and starts again. And in her case, when she melts down, she tells the truth. <laughs> when the robot short circuits, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But like, she didn't even correct it. And you would think, like, anyway, I, you know, there'll be some conjecture over that, or whatever. It wasn't on radio or anything. It was in a press conference. I listened to it multiple times. The transcription service picked it up as wrong. I listened to it. Woody listened to it. We thought it was wrong. And the way she ends is, gee, but she talks so fast and goes on. And then, blah, 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 blah. All this other stuff. So anyway, and she but she doesn't go back and correct that. Um, at one point, she says, though, you know, she's holding on to the shares. So they might grow for the kids. And then she says, let's see where those 169 shares go one day. Wow. I, I could not believe that. I could not believe And she could have wow. been it. And then I'm in a unique place to make sure that they will do well for the kids. Oh my God. She just admitted that they're having a conflict. <laughs> yeah. And the other bit of um, interest in that statement, Chris, uh, you might recall uh, there was a previous chief minister who departed not that long ago, and mm -hmm. his final statements before exiting stage left were also about doing it for the kids. Is it, <laughs> is it some sort of code for, I'll catch you guys mm -hmm. later? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, yeah, I don't know. Look, these these people aren't doing anything for anybody but themselves. I mean, we know that. Uh, look, maybe she's. But look, the fact that she she still is saying that she has this familial interest that it benefits the family to maintain these shares. This it's is a, crazy. Like she's been a, told by the ethics guy, the, the integrity guy from the Center for Integrity, said you got to divest these, or you got to stop being involved in any discussion around the gas industry in Middle Arm, a cabinet. And we and, know how important integrity is to us. So. Yes, and she's the one blessed with integrity. Um, yeah. So uh, why doesn't I, I? I when I look when I sent questions today, when we disclosed that we revealed that she had um, breached the, the NT ministerial code of conduct, I said, "Who who told her to do this? Who told her to say this? Like this is <laughs> this is record." level of stupidity on this. What are these handlers up to these days? I mean, we've heard about the social media nut jobs that are flowing through there like uh, like Kezia's wine, but what's, <laughs> what is going on uh, with handlers well, that are allowing her to free, you know, free yeah, will like this? I think there were like, I, I emailed a, a bunch of them on Sunday, like afternoon, right? Like I, I'm not going to give them a lot of time. I'm not going to let them try and front foot it and put a press release, right? I, mean, I know that they're not going to respond anyway, but I have to give them an opportunity to respond. So, no, I do journalistically, Pete. Journalistically, I absolutely have an obligation to do that, and so I always do that. So, word again, Chris. Yeah, that's called real integrity. So, I go to them, but I look. I didn't think that they were going to respond. Funny enough, but I have to do it. But funny enough, a lot of the and I sent it to like five or six of her staff people and her, and a lot of them bounced back saying they were on leave. Um, when I sent I there was a uh, level five pre Christmas party, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah, who that was? Who's taking leave now? Like, you guys are going to shut down right after the next sittings and not even be in the office for two and a half months. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, those ones who were on leave, when I emailed them this morning, 
I didn't get any bounce back saying that they were on leave out of office. So uh, I think all hands on deck as this thing kind of escalated throughout the week. Yeah. And I mean, look, this was just so, yeah, stupid. And then, and then, you know, they told her to be tough and go after Pocock, but this was the line that you were referencing. Uh, She said, the fact that this is being spoken about is a sign of desperation from people who are hell bent on trying to keep the territory down. Hell bent. I'm hell bent on keeping and, the and, and I'm just going to pull you up there, Chief Minister, because you're constantly telling us how wonderful the economy is and how such a great job you're doing, and we're 30 billion by 2030 or 40 billion, whatever it is. For it, yeah. Why is Saint keeping it down? It's not down right now, according to you. So why are we, <laughs> why are we keeping it down? These people that are hell bent on yeah, that's funny. That's a, that's an interesting use of that word. Yeah, keeping the territory down, and yeah. she's going to liberate it, I guess, um, with gas <laughs> that she also benefits from, and nobody can stop me. <laughs> so you know, but she yeah. said that opponents of the territory's future, like David Pocock, who's happy to trash our territory. If he thinks that will help him win votes in his territory, we'll do anything and stop at nothing to try to stop us from building the territory's future. I have a message for Pocock and others. Well, this sounds like a threat. Yeah. You will have to try a lot harder than this to stop me. Nothing will stop me from realizing the territory's future and creating gl- clean, green jobs. Is how she ended oh, God. Yeah, I read that bit. I mean, just create just create jobs. Don't worry about clean green. Just any jobs would be yeah, great. Yeah. Any sort of positive, you know, on the job front would be awesome. Well, Even- uh, yeah, they they had some embarrassment stuff up on that. They misinterpreted the ABS data and said that they uh-huh. this week that, that they were employing more people than ever. And it's like, no, like there are more jobs, but no one's here to actually fill the jobs. So, <laughs> and why would yeah. they be here? And why look and and with this kind of scandal like this, Pete. Um, business confidence and stuff like when you know you have ministers who get caught up in this kind of stuff it is not a good look for anybody and for our government for our leaders for the territory overall that you know the the implication being then of the conflict of interest that the, the the leader i mean the chief minister the top politician has interests in different things and it's just the whole perception of it all as we talk about in politics um yeah, this is just, you know, it's untenable at this point, I think. She's just uh, floundering now. And when we came out with that story this morning, now, yeah, what happened to, to, to kind of bring this all back around and, and sum up where we are right now? The uh, the Ministerial Code of Conduct has been breached. I mean, there's, there's no question about that. Uh, now... How this happened was that, well, look, it it just says they must divest themselves completely of all shareholdings. We found this last night. I I was sent a copy of it last night and uh, ran that story today. We ran, we sent questions to them. Um, They put out, so here she is saying, I'm going to hold on to the shares and fingers crossed things work out for the kids and they can get rich off of this stuff. I still can't (laughs) believe that. But we asked about that, and uh, and why is she, she divesting? So she then uh, actually puts out a, a statement shortly after we send her questions uh, about this, and she claims that she is uh, taking steps to divest her shares in Woodside now. Okay. This was Thursday afternoon. 
She's got onto CMC markets and uh, <laughs> yeah, put in what, a sell order, has she? Yeah, that's what the guy was saying. It's very easy to share or to trade and to get rid of them. Um, Look, she puts this out and she says that she's taking the steps to divest her shares in, in, uh, in Woodside. She claimed again that she did not have, quote, a conflict, uh, but that she was only divesting to, quote, end this distraction. Hmm. So it's wow. not that she's accepted that, that what she did was wrong in this and that she's breached the ministerial code of conduct. In fact, she didn't even mention the ministerial code of conduct in this, that she yeah. knows she breached. And here's how she knew it. Last night, Mark Turner. <laughs> yeah, Mark yeah. Turner, the former. The elder statesman of the NT. He, he is. I mean, the, this guy has shown himself to have way more integrity than anybody yeah. in labor. So he, he, he writes small letters. He writes cabinet letters last night. And he says, look, according to this handbook, you, this is the anti-government cabinet handbook that has that code of conduct in there. Uh, you guys breached this or files has breached this. And in fact, cabinet needs to have this emergency meeting. Yeah. Um, and now this is something I think it was, uh, the matter needs to be referred to cabinet for discussion and determination as to what action should be taken when there's a breach of the act. Uh, it must cons- uh, include consideration of how the public will perceive the propriety of the minister's actions and could require the minister to stand aside or resign. Um, now, yeah, like we said, her claims of divestment only followed those letters that, that Turner had sent to all cabinet members uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, he had written this. He said, given the chief minister's public statements about retaining these shares for future familial benefit, we must critically assess whether these actions align with the handbook's guidelines, he wrote. We must address this issue thoroughly ensuring adherence to the principles of transparency and ethical conduct set forth in our guidelines. This may include discussing potential consequences up to and including the chief minister's resignation to maintain the integrity of our government. The public trust in our leadership and the integrity of our governance is at stake. Uh, Yeah, so he sends this letter around last night. We sent questions there today. And then all of a sudden she puts up the statement saying, well, finally, she's going to divest and do the right thing. But she doesn't do it for the right reasons either. Right. She says, I'm doing it to avoid the distraction. Uh, that's not going to be good enough. And this is where you've got a lot of what seem to be, I guess, political factors at play here. We know from this, from this, um, the cabinet handbook that they do have to meet. Cabinet has to meet. Now, at what point, I guess, yeah, does that become a caucus thing? Does this become a leadership spill? Because I was telling you throughout this whole thing about the the impact that the stories had. Uh, the ABC did a couple of things on it. I think radio did good. Uh, ABC radio did a lot of good things on it. Um, but this thing kind of took off nationally. Uh, you know, you, you saw memes get up. Get up was was it sent this thing around that showed files saying on the one hand I'm doing middle arm because it's it's good for indigenous people and on the other hand also I have shares in a gas company that stands to benefit from this you know like mm-hmm. this is the stuff that a chief minister doesn't come back from this is the stuff where the the integrity as much as she thinks she has it is completely wiped up look we know and we laugh at her here and we you know she's the clown. Uh, there gets to be a point where you don't take it. 
you don't take it seriously yet. Um, you don't take this politician seriously anymore. You know, look, and I'll give you an example. This week, uh, th- there was some announcement of some green project. I-, I-, I couldn't even determine what it was. And I think they said, we're not saying what it is, but it's a green project. It's going to happen at Middle Arm. <laughs> Um, the first question of that press conference from an ABC journal was uh, to the, I think it was Toshiba or something who was introducing this green technology. The first question was, why are you doing business here, given the Labour government's poor environmental track record? And this guy was really taken aback by this. And, well, I've, uh, I've never heard anything about this. And uh, what do you mean? And it's like, well, go talk to files here because she's damaging this place now. It, 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 there's There's... Yeah, you know, she's lost, I think, the people's confidence a long time ago, but she's now in a position where, yeah, you you know, she's just not going to be taken seriously anymore. This is, you know, Peter, I would say this would be, this is a self-inflicted fresh cream pie to the face that she she won't be able to wipe off. This Mm -hmm. is something that's going to stick to her for a while because... There, there's simple things that you do if you actually have integrity, as she claims she did. And one is when you see you got gas shares, you don't go down and just disclose them and say, yeah, everything's fine. I dealt with everything because I've disclosed it. No, you get rid of them because the perception is there. But she didn't even think like that. Even that, Gabrielle Mappas, her chief of staff, who witnessed that declaration, like, well, where is the political not even political. You don't even have to have political wisdom for this. I mean, this is just common sense. Like, uh, if you don't want to do that, actually, well, just divest them because people are going to see this and it's not going to look good. And you might have a very serious conflict here. <laughs> um, anyway, these these idiots, she just got herself into this. I, I don't see how she comes back, really, Pete. I mean, I'm just sensing the mood. And, and you know, when I talk to people, uh, yeah, this is look, and then you get into this whole political issue, right? Is what we're saying is that nobody's going to want to lead this train wreck to mm. next August election. You know, you, you look at somebody like Nicole Madison, like somebody might have to do this for the good of the party, but you got <laughs> it messes them up so much politically because Madison wouldn't want to lead Labor to defeat if that's where this is going, but you've got a, a chief minister who resigns over this. Uh, I mean, your integrity, the integrity is already shattered anyway. And we know the, the, all the failings that they've done. Look, a guy like Joel Bowden wouldn't want it. Uh, Chancey Pegg, these are guys who might want to lead later in opposition. Where's the uh, minted police minister? We'd like to stand up, wouldn't he? Yeah, I'm sure they probably could talk Sparky into it there, but uh <laughs> You can do anything for a dare, right? Like, you just mace everyone who annoys you <laughs> at press conferences. Uh, politically, think, it's so damaging. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think just to sum it up, the, the you know the, the overall feeling that I get from it is, it's just grubby. It's been poorly handled. These bizarre comments, like, oh, "I'm in such a position of power to see how these shares end up in the future." I mean. Yeah. It, it really highlights to me, and I know that there's probably people who hate me mentioning this person, but it just really reminds me of when Owen Pike said, we need our politicians to step down to enter these roles. Yeah. It, these are people that just don't have the wherewithal to be doing the jobs they're doing. And as you, know, as you and I have talked about so many times before, you'd love the Attorney General to have some history in the law, hmm. you know, 
you'd love the um, uh, you know finance minister or the treasurer to have some background in I don't know maybe accounting or balancing the books and mm. the education minister to have a background in education. In the case of the current government, you could have fifty education ministers probably. But mm. you know what I mean, Chris. Yeah. None of what I've heard, none of what I've read makes me think, oh, gee, we're dealing with some sophisticated minds here who've just got themselves into a situation that, you know, they shouldn't have got in, but they'll get out of. I just, it's so basic and bare bones that it's it's embarrassing Mm. that these people are are representing the Territory in such responsible roles. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Pete. And, uh, yeah, no, look, that's something that they're going to have to come to terms with themselves and, uh, and all of this, like, I, I don't know where th- this will go, but uh, look, I think that everybody is smelling that kind of blood in the water here on Fawcett. I don't think, like, if they keep her in and she hobbles through to the, like, they just know that they're going to lose and they keep her in and the ridicule that will come. And, and like, this will come back up at the Senate inquiry again and be national yeah. again. And there's yeah. just so much thing. But yeah, look, there, there's not a lot of talent there, right? The CLP too. Look, um, we'll, we'll we'll get into them. I think more next week because I got a few things to say. But look, during this whole thing, they've been what hiding in the shadows there in the in the <laughs> coat check room, waiting for this to all play out and yeah. not saying anything. And look, yeah, I mean, there's no it's no surprise that they have some stakes themselves, some shares themselves in oil companies. They're not in government making the policies right now, but I think they do have to show that they're serious about wanting to be in government and divest themselves from their shares. And we'll, we'll get into that later because I think right now the focus is on is on files still. I, yeah, something else is going to happen. I think, you know, on the radio today and Turner was on with Liz and they were saying, like, this isn't going to be the end of this. This isn't something that files thinks that she could just turn off by saying, well, well finally, I'll divest. Because, look, there's going to have to be investigation no, too late. internally. And we're not even talking about the ICAC here, although I think Turner also sent a letter to the ICAC. But there'll be investigations that we process this because there is the breach of, of the Code of Conduct ministerial that necessitates Cabinet having that meeting. Uh, and they and, and something has to come out of that meeting. And then furthermore, you're looking at referral to, to your favorite group privileges. There may be other yeah. penalties for that failing to disclose. That's very much on the table. She did not disclose it. That's just a fact in at least those four years, if not her her first eight years. Um, so, you know, it's just going to keep it's just going to keep coming back up. There's no yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no end to this, really, at the end of the day yeah. until she resigns or she's rolled and they bring in someone else, uh, but they're not going to want to do that nine months out from the election. They're in a very bad position, but they did it to themselves. Like I said, it's the self-inflicted cream yeah. pie in the face. I, it's a good analogy. Yeah, It's a very good analogy. And Chris, just lastly on that, um, please tell me if the Privileges Committee does meet, if they are able to find the room, and you know, remove all the sheets off the furniture as it hasn't been in use for quite some time. Right. Please tell me we may have a situation where the chief minister leads the investigation into herself. <laughs> I'm sure if she could, she'd be working on that now. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah, what will they do? But look, they do like this. This is just this is their biggest test. I, I guess I'll leave it at that too. That this is their biggest test. 
uh, in terms of integrity issues. And let's see what they do. But either way, either way, like I said, it's just going to roll on. I think more likely you'd see her uh, resign or, yeah, or be moved on. But again, like I said, politically, this is only advantageous to them, right? They'll only do something if it's advantageous to them. But it, it does not help anybody to keep her limping along as the leader for the next nine months. She just would not survive that. Yeah. And Fair she'll take enough. them all and she'll take them all down with her, right? Yeah. Because, that's how it feels. Yeah. And that's where it's going. And so they've got to operate. They've got to do something now to protect themselves in some way. If you want to get as selfish as that is, mm-hmm. I would say that they're restoring integrity is on some level by getting rid of a chief minister who's failed to live up to the public's expectations with this. Yeah. But it's territory labor. And they, you know, we, we see they don't have many values left. So we'll see. No. And they're doing it for the kids, Chris, as Robbie <laughs> Williams once said. <laughs> Do it for the kids. Well, look, um, let's stick with the government now, Chris, because uh, they've actually made the news for other reasons this week as well. Uh, With the Files government's summer plan, it's being referred to in very much quote marks, uh, (laughs) is set to reduce crime in Central Australia. Uh, As the plan is unveiled, it's been, uh, well, declared by the... uh, independent MLA in that region as the definition of madness, this plan. (laughs) Yeah, continuing to do the same things over and over uh, in Alice Springs, expecting different results, and we haven't seen them at any time. No, I have not. Not until things improve slightly when they brought back the stronger futures. Well, the alcohol bans, let's call it what it really is in in those remote, more remote areas, we saw some improvement. And just on that, Chris, um, as you would have seen this week um, on a high-profile social media page in in Alice Springs. Um, It was very much noted that with the police minister and the chief minister both making visits to Alice Springs this week, that the crime rate in Alice Springs dropped dramatically and it was clear, as always, the streets are being cleaned up prior to uh, the great people's arrivals, which is a disgrace. It really is, Pete. And you, and you remember they did this months ago, right? When I think before Albanese came into town. Yep. And I think like the MT News was denying that they did it and saying, no, this is all conspiracy theories. And then it was proven that yeah. they, they, they rounded them all up on a bus and got them out. So I think what Darren said, action man, as we go, um, he said, yeah, well, well, just do it. Just keep the streets safe every night for all of us. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you're saying, like, why is it for? Brent Potter and, the, and Natasha Files, when they come to town, it's got to be clean. And what about the rest of us? Yeah, those that live there. Yeah, look, yeah, and they just don't have any plan. But what essentially this, this um, was it summertime madness, did we call it, or something? The, the summer, summer of madness? Yes. <laughs> the I know what you did Sounds last like summer. like a concert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know what you did last summer, and it didn't work then. That's what it's called. Um, Yeah, so this will involve now um, some ice skating. I think they got in there. They got uh, it's look. It's a one activity. Great use of energy as well to set up an ice skating rink in forty-two degree heat. I mean, that's uh, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, it's yeah. Look, but look, and then you know, Potter comes out, and he's a tough guy now because he's a police minister, and so he says this. He says this will be the summer of zero tolerance for antisocial behavior. 
where the hell have you been? I'm like, why isn't the, why? It's so zero tolerance is now the approach for summer. The rest of the year, you just go ahead. It's a free-for-all. It, it's just stupid. It's just, um, yeah, like Robin says. So a lot of these initiatives that they announced, many people believe that they were already actually in effect. <laughs> <laughs> that they'd already been doing. Remember the $250 million and uh, Darrell yeah. Anderson's her name and she was going to coordinate everybody and things. Mm. And now, now they're announcing it like this is new stuff that we're going to, um, yeah, alcohol-related offending will be tackled, including assaults, break-ins, domestic and family violence. Like this stuff, well, we thought the domestic violence stuff was being done. Um, <laughs> with that money, it isn't, of course, we know that they underfunded that and that they have no interest as government in doing anything about domestic and family violence. But mm. uh, they, I guess the biggest thing was this, Pete, that they claimed, Potter and Foss claimed that there'd be 50 additional officers. Mm-hmm. 50 additional officers. Now, where the hell are they coming from? Where are they yeah. coming from? Like, it's, it's a bit like the business that's going out of business who tells you how great their revenue is, but doesn't <laughs> mention what the expenses are. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. So, yeah, where's where are they taking these officers? Look, from what we understand now, what he's been talking to people is that these officers are going to be taken out of remote communities and brought in on some sort of rolling roster basis. Yeah, to, uh, up patrols in Alice Springs. But as uh, as Darren Clark pointed out, he had seen that that last year they claimed they promised forty extra officers, but only about twenty of them actually showed up. He questioned how it was possible that the police could get 50 general duties officers. Uh, anyway, yeah. This I is, can help, Chris. I can yeah. help. You know how I'm always trying to do things for the Territory to help them out and uh, yeah. come up with different ways for our fellow Territorians. Well, well you do, yeah. Yeah, I'm always thinking, you know, about the uh, promotions of the Territory and how, how that could operate and different ways of spending money wisely rather than blowing it on social media people. Well, I have an idea of how they can get those 50 extra officers and kill two bears with the one stone. All right. Let's hear it. You know how they're already being investigated by the Victorian police force? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they could just get the Victorian cops to come up into the territory. They could do their investigation and do a bit of part-time policing on the side. Yeah, and standing around as a deterrent, watching um, the executive people at work, (laughs) just monitoring them. We know how Victorian cops like to shoot first and ask questions later. So, like, you know, that a few <laughs> rounds off here and there, that might deter some of the crime. Well, this is something that needs to be evaluated given the cost efficiencies, et cetera. Uh, sounds like something more innovative than this, than what they put out here. The and summer as always, point. there's no charge for that. <laughs> You're doing it for the kids, Pete. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, man, this is just, I think Robin, uh, Lamley had summed this up pretty good when she questioned uh, just everything and just, you know, you, and you can sense the frustration from Robin and Darren Clark down there. I mean, these are oh, two God, good yeah. community leaders here who just want to see their community be a better place and let's do something and they continually get blocked and stopped by this labor government who just is not concerned. It just, it just seems that's the thing that they just don't care. Yeah about what's going on there. So Robin said that she had looked at that plan or that announcement. She said, there's nothing new here. There are no details. There is no reason why Alice Springs people should feel confident about this so-called announcement today. Actually, it probably should create more concern because if this is the extent of their plans, then we have a problem. 
She said, the problem is they're not willing to do anything different. The definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. This is it. Uh, Darren Clark, again, he said that, uh, yeah, the initiatives announced in the plan, he thought were already being done, but they weren't. Uh, these new measures are meant to be, were meant to be implemented after Albanese was here and the territory controller, um, and they just haven't been. He said, I'm nervous about what's going to happen because of the history of this time of year. But having seen the last two days and nights, and that's when he got into them cleaning yeah. up the streets. But uh, why can't it be like that all the time? Um, and Chris, where is the territory controller? We heard oh, so no, much about I, this role yeah. at that time. haven't heard a word since. I don't recall. Like uh, we, we haven't seen some sort of a, like, like she did that first kind of initial report, right? Is she and based in the territory or is she based, you know, maybe in I, I, I believe Alaska they somewhere? Uh, they said that she would be in Alice, but um, yeah, I mean, is, is she providing us quarterly reports or anything of what, what kind of measure? Me with anything. And then look, a lot of this is the social kind of services stuff, right? Yeah. That this is what we thought she was down there managing and that they were doing this. It turns out, but according to this statement on the summer plan, that it hasn't, it hasn't been implemented yet, which yeah. Yeah, uh, is just ridiculous. And then you've got the issues still of people coming in, you know, because they're not funding the, the communities to the extent that they should be. And, and Robin Lamley got into that. She said, you know, um, yeah, the, keep in mind, uh, we have some, alcohol take away uh alcohol free days and in spite of that crime is still increasing what more do we have to do i think part of the answer she said is to respond to children who are now deemed not responsible for their criminal behavior due to their age she said i think if a child commits a crime and is not held criminally responsible due to their age it needs to be treated as a child protection case and they need to be taken to a bush camp until a responsible adult can be found to take care of them and be responsible for their behavior. Otherwise, the child needs to stay under the protection of the minister. Yeah, yeah there's, there's just so many issues here. And we know that it is a whole broad range of, of things like that yeah. play into this crime, but they don't seem to have a, a, a firm grasp on any of these issues no, right they now. Don't. They don't. Uh, but, you know, it's consistent, Chris. Um, you could look up any portfolio that any of the ministers handle and every topic we talk about, it's exactly the same, whether it's infrastructure, yeah. whether it's police, whether it's, you know, chief ministers, various things, tourism minister or the previous one at least anyway. It's just it, it's just this constant, there's nothing organised, there's just motherhood statements, there's, there's mm. really nothing going on and it's it's bloody frustrating is all I can say. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, um, when are they going to, I mean, they, you just have to acknowledge that, that what's been happening isn't working and try and find better ways and take people mm. with you on that. And you're right. And admit that sometimes you're failing. So they, yeah. they're just incapable of doing that, but they're being led by the chief minister and she can't do that. So mm. yeah, look, yeah, well, look, I, I really hope that it doesn't get to a thing where we're reporting on all these crazy crimes going on there here over yeah. the, the next couple of months, as we saw last year and into January and February. But yeah, like like they say, that there's not much hope that it isn't going to go the same way it did last summer there. No, no, it's exactly right. Chris, uh, in another story, the government's released Beetaloo Basin Aquifer, Aquifer sorry, Water Allocation Plan, mm -hmm. but it's, it's based on manipulated data. 
Please explain this. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. And uh, look, David Wood has written an excellent story here, and I encourage people to go read it because there's a lot of good uh, detail in this that I think people should know about. But essentially, look, uh, Woody's gone and looked at this. He's talked to people. He's, sent, he's talked to experts, I should say, and he's you know, sent questions around to other people. But the, the government has released this water allocation plan. And I remember he said something when he was leaving, like he said, yeah, I know it says it's based on manipulated data. I can prove that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And he kind of does in the story here. So, well, and he does in the story. So the Files government has released its water allocation plan. This is for the G G Georgina and Wiesel basins, which uh, was a requirement uh, to permit fracking in the Beetaloo Basin. But the government has manipulated the aquifer refill data produced by a hydrologist it employed to only include the last 50 years, which is skewed by an extremely large recharge caused by Cyclone Tracy. So they hired this guy to look at this, right? And and he goes and he looks at it from like 1900 to 2013 or something. They're like, whoa, 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 that's too much, my friend. We don't want to look that. We'll just bring it up here. Just 50 years will be fine. Nobody does that scientifically. Like, you would never go for a smaller sample size, right? Because yeah. you want to understand this. They did not want to understand this. And you have to read the story because, yeah, he gets into this. He, he has it all spelled out of how, you know, yeah, that they've just changed, basically even changed figures around this. The replenishment rate, right? I mean, this this is what it comes down to is that um, what that means for the aquifer storage, uh, and uh, yeah, they've just they've just altered it to suit their needs. Now you've got some I'm shocked. Well, it's just this. Like, I mean, there are things that you can manipulate in terms of spin and stuff, but when you're when you're altering, you know, scientific stuff, your facts to the point that yeah, you're telling this guy. So that guy that, that, that Woody talks about, right? Like he, he went to him and said, you know, how do you feel about the government changing this? Uh, so, yeah, this guy, Napton, worked for more than 14 years as a hydrologist, water modeling manager for the NT government up until 2013. He did not return Woody's phone call uh, when the draft report came out to answer how he felt about his modeling figure being doubled and if he could explain why and how it was done. Now, that was like, you know, when he said, here's what the flow rate's going to be. And they're like, well, now we'll just double that. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll just, we'll, so his report states he used data from 1900 to 2018. Well, the government's background paper to the allocation plans that they just released the other day states it used data from 1970 to 2020. The final allocation report now uses different recharge figures again, estimating 585 gigaliters a year for the Georgina Basin and four, uh, four, six gigaliters a year for the Wiseau based on the annual recharge only between 1970 and 2022. So the plan estimates the total storage capacity uh, is what 60. Six gigaliters, sorry, and 80,000. So 66,000, I think it is, gigaliters. And the, for the uh, Georgina and the Wiseau Basin, 80,000. This is like hugely different than what was put in there mm. at first. So the draft plan has been widely criticized by water experts from Australian universities who accused the government of lacking a proper methodology for determining this water allocation and failing to meet national standards. 
Uh, complicating matters is the estimates on the recharges from the basins vary so wildly. Uh, yeah, so he couldn't get any answer from that guy, the guy who actually did the thing. Um, but uh, Environment Center NT Director Kirsty Howie, uh, she makes another appearance in the NT Independent this week. Love it. Yeah, she said the modeling of the government had used was based on the, yeah, just those last 50 years, which was skewed by an extremely large recharge during Cyclone Tracy when roughly 20,000 gigaliters was recharged. Mm. She said the, the aquifer actually recharges quite episodically and unpredictably. It's a little bit like budgeting for your household over the next 50 years, but predicting you'll win the lotto one year in the future. So spending in excess of your usual income on that assumption. Jeez, but will but will you even win the lotto? She said, well, we don't know. And she said this terrible decision could spell disaster for the Roper River as well as Mataranka and Bitter Springs. It's reckless, dangerous, and goes against the advice of the community, not to mention the most eminent water scientists in the country. Jeez. So the other here's the other weird thing about all of this, right? Is that is that the new water minister, Kate Warden, was on holidays when this was signed off on and released. <laughs> of course. Like that, that is very unusual because she's yeah. the new, I think it was um, Moss, right? Who was the, the, the uh, water minister before. And of course, she got dumped out of cabinet. And then Kate Warden just takes off, I guess, to say she wants a holiday too, like yeah. Christmas, before Christmas. Um, anyway, yeah, that's. Um, Look, the, the whole thing, like I said, encourage people to go read that story. Uh, the, the numbers are, are frightening, and the, the, just the lack of respect uh, to scientific figures is terrible. So. Yeah, it is frightening. Yeah. And Chris, uh, the NT government have signed a new deal to play AFL games in the Territory, but inexplicably, but not surprisingly, they've refused to uh, reveal the costs involved. Yeah, that's right. You know how they are. <laughs> I, I should uh, say, I should say, uh, inexplicably, but understandably, and very consistently, yeah. not revealing the costs. <laughs> yeah. And like I was telling you the other day, right? Like th th that is so weird because the the child CLP government revealed the costs of this stuff. Like, why is this yeah. government not? willing to do that like and i would think that the afl yeah. would reveal the cost as well so well, look they have in other places right so yeah. that's what's going on now uh what this is is a three-year deal with the gold coast uh a three-year deal with gold coast and melbourne to play three afl games a year in the territory but of course the government's refused to say how much uh, they are paying the clubs, while the Tasmanian government revealed it would pay Hawthorne nearly $1.7 million per game in Launceston for next year. Mm. Um, now, where was it? It was in here that there's... Uh, the AFL published an article early this year explaining, or on its website, explaining that the Tasmanian government would pay Hawthorne $13.5 for three regular games and a preseason game each year over the next two years. Total cost of 1.7 per game. Uh, however, neither the AFL nor North Melbourne seem to have publicly disclosed how much that club is paid by the same government to play four years a game in Hobart. Although Fox Footy reported the figure was unclear, it's understood to be it's understood to be slightly less than Hawthorne's pay. Uh, we did ask Woody S. Files and the AFL how much the deal would cost here and why it was not made public. 
Uh, yeah, look, we're just. And they said none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> if they responded, which I'm guessing they didn't, but uh, yeah, essentially these are the games that will be. Uh, she released this over the weekend last week in the stadium. Uh, they're also the NRL Parramatta will be playing the Dolphins in Darwin in April next year, uh, which also did not have a cost attached to it. Mm. The, the deal with the Gold with Gold Coast to play two games a year in Darwin over the next three years with the club playing uh, both Geelong and North Melbourne in May next year. Uh, and Melbourne will play one game a year in Alice Springs for three years with the team to play Fremantle in June next year. Um, but yeah, we, we, we're not going to know. I, yeah, I don't know. I just, this is just simple. And if it makes money on, I guess we're losing money on this. Yeah. Well, the, the, the long and the short of it is that, uh, if Hawthorne, for example, are going to play a game in Launceston, mm-hmm. which, which may, let's spitball and say it may seat up to 20,000 people or thereabouts a full house at Marvel uh, or the MCG, depending on where they played, could be anywhere from 60000 to to 100000 Now, they may not get that full house, of course, but they're going to sacrifice gate receipts to go there. So they'd expect yeah. the government to kick in. So it yeah. makes sense that the government well, loses money. It won't be a money-making venture for any of the governments to do it. It makes sense to have them come. But I don't understand the secrecy behind it because <laughs> – Anybody in the AFL is going to say, well, that's great. They're bringing games to the Territory. Same with the NRL fans. They're not going to say, oh, but it's costing $1.5 million. Who cares? Like, bring them and let everybody enjoy this spectacle. And <laughs> yeah, and really. I mean, yeah. It's, it's yeah, just seems right. weird. Yeah. yeah. It seems well, counterproductive. Well, but, I mean, it's just the culture, right? It's the culture of cover-up. and deceit. It is. It is. Yep. how they're going to operate. So, Like I said, it's consistent. Yes. Anyway. Hey, uh, Chris, just lastly, before we get to the job of the week, uh, the base in the grass lineup's been revealed this year for the uh, for next sorry for next year's uh, event, which is being held again at Mindle Beach in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than 22 Aussie and international artists uh, will be performing. And we talked last week, I think, about Malcolm. Right? We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So he's coming still. He hasn't backed out yet. <laughs> Got his cool He's got the money though. Yeah, not the twenty bucks in the pocket, more like two hundred thousand. <laughs> I've estimated it at about two hundred thousand. I've gone. Did I tell you I was gonna look into that? Yeah. Anyway, I talked to somebody and they said, that's eh, it's probably around two, two hundred, two fifty, maybe he's yeah. making for that one. Um anyway, joining him at this uh, uh base in the grass will be NT artist King Stingray, who are very popular, as you yes. know, or you've yep. heard of them. Um Jay Miller. No idea who that is. Um, anyway, he's coming. They're coming, whoever it is. Also, <laughs> Darwin-born uh, performer, Vassie. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's coming home. She's been on the podcast before. Has she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I've, I've years ago. Just read, like, I mean, I don't I don't think I listen to her type of music that she makes, but um, I'm going to sound like Owen comes. Wilson. I'm going to sound like Owen Wilson and uh, what's that movie, Ben Stiller, where they're models. Like, I don't really listen to the music but I respect the fact that they're making it. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know enough about Vassie, but I know like I've read how successful, I mean, she was up on these dance charts. Like, She's really absolutely massive well. in the dance scene. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's, it, it's unbelievable yeah. that more people are not aware 
of just how big an artist she is. Yeah, and her success is Darwin, born and bred. Yep, absolutely. So she's coming back. She's excited, of course, for that. She said, uh, I hope to inspire local NT kids so you can be from a small town like Darwin, but still dream big and pursue your dreams. I certainly wish I had that growing up in Darwin when I was a kid to know that anything is possible if you believe in yourself. Yeah, it sounds like she's doing it for the kids as well, which is <laughs> like Chris. That's right. That's right. Everybody is. Uh, yeah, but look, that's great. Yeah, that that is good. She'll be here. Uh, the uh, yeah festival will now come with new premium packages, Pete, including the Terrace, an exclusive hosted experience on Grace platform near the stage. I think I heard on ABC they were saying that's like five hundred bucks or something. Oh yeah. The Oasis, which comes with side of stage views from under the tress and refresh where visitors can take a break and beat the long lines. I don't know what all that's about. Uh, other artists, the Bag Raiders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the old Bag Raiders. They <laughs> yeah. fit at Woolworths most days, I think. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Listen, the ESO, I don't know, Cottery, Jet, Jet, Jet's coming. Jet's huge, mate. They just want to. Yeah. The older they just people. got put into the uh, ARIA Hall of Fame at the yeah. ARIA Awards. Um, yeah, we mentioned them. Uh, Lottie Gallagher, yeah, a whole bunch of others. Anyway, look, they've, they've uh, got quite the setup right now, quite the list, I guess, of people. Um, yeah, it'll be a good show. Uh, let's see what else here. General admission tickets, 129 and premium packages, as we say, prices vary here on sale now. Um, yeah, I didn't know this. I had it in here. Children age 13 and below are free to attend with a paying adult. Oh, well, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we know it's a popular festival, and um, they got a lineup that probably appeals to young and old. I think you got Jet on there. They're getting up there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, just hold there for me, please. And now... It's time for the Job Files, thanks to no one in particular. And aside from all the wonderful news stories that you break each week, Chris, this segment must be one of the most eagerly anticipated segments of the week. It's the Job Files Job of the Week. Wait, 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 wait. Just the the Job Files, that's spelled F-Y-L-E-S, right? Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why that just struck me there. And I was like, I hope he's smelling that. (laughs) Files, like two minutes ago. Possibly. Might have to rename it soon. But yeah. yeah, it was previously known as Mixed Job of the Week. Well, <laughs> That's right. And I had to come up with a new name when the Chief Minister went and did it for the kids somewhere else. <laughs> anyway, this week, Chris, Manage Your Loans is looking for a data-driven marketing manager where you can unleash your fintech superpowers. Now, there's a method in the madness why I'm reading this story out, Chris, because it is a departure from my normal story, uh, my normal jobs of the week. However, the reason being, when I discovered that a uh, data-driven, so they're actually in the title, they're telling you, you've got to turn up with some skills, right? So Mm. maybe the next time one of the government ads gets put up there, they can think about that because this person is going to be held accountable to their data-driven marketing management, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Are you ready to take your marketing skills to the next level? Do you thrive in the world of fintech and insertech and have a passion 
who are using data-driven strategies to drive results. So wait, wait, wait. InsureTech, that's like just insurance, right? I imagine it's insurance. <laughs> yeah. That was called InsureTech. Probably <laughs> online insurance, if I had to guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're a marketing maverick with a, pench- a penchant for tech, we want you to join our dynamic team. As a data-driven marketing manager, you'll be the superhero behind our InsurTech and FinTech businesses. Your mission, question mark, to wield data analytics like a pro and craft marketing campaigns that dazzle and deliver real-world results. You'll be the architect of our success, overseeing a whole stack of things. Not going to read them out. Qualifications include a bachelor's degree in marketing, business, or a related field. Uh, superhero yeah. cape is optional, though, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no number to apply for because you know, this isn't government where they put all their details. But uh, if you're interested, get on to Seek and check out the data-driven marketing manager role for Manage Your Loans. Why am I bringing it up, Chris? This is a pretty senior role. Mm. And this role in the private sector is paying eighty to $90,000 per year. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to go somewhere like that, whereas yeah. this job in the anti-government will be double that. At least double that. Yeah. And that's probably just for a you know pretty junior person. And you don't have to even have to back up your reasons for what you do. <laughs> yeah. right. This and person needs to be data-driven within an inch of their life and actually prove everything they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that juxtaposition there between this the private sector and the, that's really good because yeah it sounds similar to an anti-government job but um it, yeah. it really shows the disparity though doesn't it and i remember leon when he was on here with us talking about that like how do you compete sometimes yeah. with the anti-government when you're in private business here as soon as i saw the role i clicked on it because i was just interested to see what they'd be advertised and then i saw the money almost fell off my chair as exactly what i thought i was like that job's 160 in the government, <laughs> yeah. and and you're not accountable. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. You're taking the long lunches and leaving at 420. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're working for a private company. You are going to be what did they say? The architect of our success. Yeah, kind yeah. of the thing, and they will rely on you for that. Whereas in right. the anti-government, you can go hide in the corner like the opposition. Yeah, and there's 25 other numbats doing the same job. Yeah, exactly. I like, yeah, and you know, yeah, and the government's just got so bad. Remember, like I was talking about that guy who's connected to labor there, and then he just hired somebody to do his job <laughs> for him. Right, <laughs> just put someone in front, <laughs> and then he just sits back and does nothing. Yeah, like, because they can get away with that here. Yeah, it's a mess, man. And yeah, I just would feel bad for that person. But, you know, like maybe this come, I feel bad for the company, I guess. But, you know, the company will get somebody maybe from down south come up here and then they'll Mm. be like, holy God, they'll go to their first like party somewhere and talk to somebody who works in the government. Yep. And see you later. They're going to be jumping ship. And maybe, maybe they're a good person. Maybe that would be a good talent crew. would do some good. And, well, maybe. Here, but, uh, yeah. The sad no, thing I, is the, the private company will go to the expense of getting them here. Then they'll go to a party where some yeah. some government hipsters turned up. They'll <laughs> sit around and maybe partake in a you know thing or two. In a, next, yeah, in a discussion. And they'll next, they expand their minds, man. Next thing you know, you're on 160 grand doing sweet bugger all. <laughs> <laughs> Did you call them government hipsters? I love that. I'm actually 
picture in a scenario in an elevated home. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can picture what they're wearing. They actually probably look a fair bit like Shaggy off Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the government answers. <laughs> Um, Meanwhile, the poor buggers in insert tech have got no marketing manager because he's jumped ship, yeah. or she. Yeah, no, it's it's not a good scene, man. Stay out of the scene. <laughs> yeah. And whatever you do, don't accept an invite to level five. Hey, <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Chris, uh, before we wrap up this episode, it would be remiss of me uh, not to wish you and the team all the best uh, with the upcoming uh, award season, let's call it. Where, uh, <laughs> yeah. And something I wanted to point out earlier, but the moment had been lost, um, just just in what you were talking about and with that snide comment regarding those who want to, you know, bring down the territory. Yeah. Um, if the NT Independent uh, was, a, was a rogue web page, or let's, let's call it a hate page, as, as I think uh, Sweary Mick used to love to call it, if, uh, if it was in fact that, um, there would be no way in sweet hell that mm-hmm. uh, the NT Independent would be even considered, let alone up for Walkley Awards. The Walkley Awards are the Australian journalism equivalent of the Academy Awards mm-hmm. or the Oscars or the Grammys or whatever is the highest award in whatever industry. So uh, for anyone who's under the illusion, and I guess they don't listen to this podcast, but... For anyone under the illusion that it's not a legitimate thing, uh, that conversation is now finished because of that nomination. Yeah, uh, Pete, yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that. And um, no, I think you're right. And I think people know that uh, with the Walkleys, that being a finalist uh, is an extraordinary accomplishment on its own. Yeah. Um, So we take that uh, as an honor that, um, you know, that our journalism has been recognized there to be one of the finalists for the best of the year in the entire country. And, mm-hmm. and I point out too, that, you know, we, we're the only independent like news organization that was nominated. It, 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 there's no like, you know, newspapers or anything. That's not part of a giant conglomerate. I mean, yeah, we're up against like, ABC, like Four Corners, you know, all these uh, 60 Minutes, you know, all the major newspapers, Australian. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's quite an achievement for us to get in there to for them, for the judges that are academics and journalists of the highest standards across the country to, to read our stuff and say, yeah, it's very good and it should be. Uh, recognized as such as a finalist we're up against some pretty stiff competition i think directly with the 730 report and the guy who does documentaries for foxtel or something i think uh so yeah so we'll see how we go down there yeah i'll be heading down there next week so i won't be around for the podcast um Mm. it's on the thursday night uh but um yeah sounds like quite the affair I think I forgot to mention one time when we talked about being nominated what's kind of interesting about it all is that uh ben smith will be there. He's nominated for, uh, he's a finalist for best feature of the year. And of course, yep. I think people would know Ben and I worked at the NT news for years together. Uh, we co-authored that Crocs in the cabinet. He's the guy that I did that one with. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, we'll have a little Crocs in the cabinet reunion down there. It's really cool that we're kind of both uh, finalists in the same year. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, we, we did good the other night at the NT Meter Awards. Woody and I picked up that uh, one for Best Crime Corps reporting. Yep. We'll see what uh, what happens at the Walkleys next week. 
Sounds good, mate. I presume I'll be talking to someone and uh, we will wait with bated breath to find out the result. But but good luck either way. And as you say, just being nominated is a, is a major achievement. Yeah, and something that upset the, the chief minister, she was asked about a remember at the time and she had some snide comment to make. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, yeah, it's a good thing and um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, uh, overall, we don't do it for the awards anyway, right? Like we do it exactly to keep, right. keep them accountable and make the territory a better place. And 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 that just comes with accountability and integrity and, uh, you know, these things that we expect from our politicians instead of the degradation that continues to go on of our democratic institutions. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, if somebody isn't there to, to call them out on that, as I think we've done, uh, then I think this place would be worse than it is right now. So yeah. we're keeping them on their toes and they're not getting away with stuff. And this week, uh, I think, has been another good example of why the NT Independent is so important to the Northern Territory. Yep, agreed. Well, mate, sharpen your sticks, enjoy the Walkleys, and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Great, thanks, Pete. We'll see you then. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent online newspaper. Weekends with Walshie back again next week. Not sure who it'll be with, but perhaps we might see Woody come out again and have a chat to me. Uh, in the meantime, have a great week, and I'll catch you next time on the Territory Story Podcast. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. For more episodes, go to all your favourite podcasting platforms or head to territorystory.com.